For the newly indoctrinated, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files follows the story of a professional wizard in Chicago. We started our podcast as a way to help break down the series' most important moments, characters, and lore. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure at it by your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 5.11, Ballroom Blitz. My name is Tanzan, and I am joined by Jess. Hello! And we have a reoccurring guest. Andreas, welcome back! Thanks for having me again. <laughs> Maggie is still away, so we're... Maggie who? <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least there'll be no confusion about who's talking now. <laughs> you sound just like her. <laughs> well, um, we're actually recording this weekend's, uh, uh, this week's episode uh, at the same time that DragonCon is happening. So Jim Butcher was at DragonCon, and he had a lot of panels. So in the next week or two, when those transcripts get uploaded, we're going to have more information we get to talk about. One of the um, panels was very specifically Battleground-related. <laughs> but the other two might be a little bit more fun for the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> a little more accessible. A little more accessible for where we're at right now. Do you find yourself becoming bone-tired in a fight? Do you find yourself with nobody to dance with? Are you living in fear because you don't have the guts to get out there? Bob's Discount Elixirs, affordable, effective, guaranteed results, specializing in love potions and exotic. Chapter 23. Harry is briefly saved by Marcon and Hendricks. Marcone repeats his offer to have Dresden work for him. Harry pretends to want to sign the contract, which results in a violent attack from Parker on Hendrix and Marcone. Harry manages to escape only to be faced with the now wolf-shaped FBI agents outside. Harry retreats to the back of the garage and hides. I prepared for last week's episode by reading, and I prepared for this week's episode by listening to the audiobook. And I noticed James Marsters was confusing Marcone and Parker in the text. I realized he was going back and forth a little bit on who was doing which and what. Oh. So that's a fun little tidbit if you're aware of the text. <laughs> if you're not aware of the text, that could be mighty confusing. Right. But there was a moment when... He pronounces his name differently, too. I think he says Marcone. He says Marconi. Does he? It, it, was, it threw not me sure. off, because I'm like, I know he's talking about Marcone... Because there's no other character mm -hmm. that's got a name close to it. But, like, he... Actually, yeah. I think I do remember... Uh, it was just weird. It was weird enough the pronunciation was just slightly off that I'm like... I think I remember oh. now uh, Maggie saying that he did originally say Marconi, which is how both me and Mom read it in the original text. And then at some point he switched over to Marcone. Mm -hmm. So we took it as Butcher had probably been like, hey... You're saying it wrong. <laughs> so I do remember that now that you bring it up. I wondered about that. Mm -hmm. It did mess with my head a bit because yeah. I didn't recognize, I didn't remember it because it's been a year since yeah. I've listened to that book. Yeah. yeah. Well, Maggie's pretty specific about, it's Marcone. Yeah. It's Marcone. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think now that you brought that up, that reminds me. So just pretend like mom was here telling us <laughs> that herself. <laughs> but yeah, there was a moment when um, Marcone or Marconi uh, went to like beat Harry over with uh, over the head with a tire iron, and I'm like, what? <laughs> First of all, he'd get Hendrix to do that. Second of all, he has a gun, and I was like, oh, you meant to say Parker. 
Yeah. Understood. Oh. But just something fun thrown in there. <laughs> I'm gonna have to re-listen to that now. Just to, Must have had just an to off yeah. an off recording session. Well, when you're switching back and forth between so many names too, I'm sure. Yeah, just it's easy for the producers and for masters and stuff to just not realize because like all those people are in the room. And that also, sounds right. <laughs> he also keep in mind like this is what second third book in second second book in so it's not like he not like yeah, um, he doesn't know the characters very well yeah yet, he doesn't like know the media. characters and like i i assume he's a professional but still like this is a small time fish compared to some of the other jobs i'm sure he's got well and i, reading, I think right? mom has said before too that the first two or three books he didn't read before he recorded right yeah. just as sort of a cold read yeah yeah but i mean for that even if it were a cold read still he's he's good no, i like great. him yeah, yeah i like great. i like the issues. It's more fun mm-hmm. when he messes up. <laughs> Especially since you don't think about it. You don't realize it until years later when mm-hmm. you're redoing, mm-hmm. re-listening. re-listening. Right? Mm-hmm. So the assault on Harry is interrupted by Marcone threatening Parker with death by Hendrix. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Essentially, Marcone just says, you know, time to get fucked, <laughs> which is He's mine. Always fun. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and Parker considers attacking still, but Marcone explains that the caliber of weapon, and that would result in Parker's sure death. And he points out that um, the rest of his gang are having engine issues or whatever. They sabotaged all their bikes. Weirdly enough. (laughs) Yeah. I love Marcone for that. Like, he's not like, if he doesn't have to be um, to the point violent, he's not. He'll He'll take less violent options before opening up mm-hmm. right mm, right like he he's he's you can already see in this like what he's building up to be like there's a reason he will become he is a businessman yeah, he's yeah. a businessman mm-hmm. he's just not a legal quote-unquote legal businessman right? some of them are legal yeah <laughs> i mean yeah yeah but, there's you know yeah. we were just talking <clears throat> about the pronunciation of marcone and marconi but if you're Dresden, you can avoid that whole conundrum by just calling him John, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is always fun. Which... You're watching him flinch at that mm, eye twitch. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's also, that's a very, that's a, that's a threat coming from a magic user, even if you don't, if you think about it, because it's... A, to a degree, I doubt he's ever actually heard Marcone say the word John. Yeah. But... Because John is his first name, right? Yeah, it's John Marcone, but who knows how Harry figured that out. If that's just, I I mean, then again, I'm sure the cops know. I just meant in the the reference to you don't want a magic user to know your true name. So, But he probably doesn't know his true name. Because you have to hear the way Marcone says it in order to know the true name. But it is a little bit of a threat in and of itself because he really drags, he really hammers it in. He's like, hey, John, thanks, John. Good timing, John. I'm going to be an ass to you and not give you the respect of calling you by your last name. So, you know, I'm just saying, it's a nice way to get around the whole Marcone or Marcione. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's all Justin was really doing. He doesn't know how to pronounce his name. Go with the easy one. Go with Gentleman Johnny. Gentleman Johnny, Mm mm-hmm. So Marcone tells Harry that McFinn has called him to threaten him. And then he he knows he's a loop guru and has actually read Dresden's police report, which he's kind of like, what? So, yeah, 
<laughs> Stormfront did hint at the fact that Marcone has fingers everywhere, including both politicians and cops in Chicago. Yeah. Um, we, it, I think it was earlier in this book that um, it was said that he's got fingers all the way to Washington. So we know for a fact that Marcone pays off a lot of people mm. for a lot of different reasons at all sorts of levels. It comes up later on in this chapter or the next chapter as well. Yeah, so it's just a little bit more of confirmation straight from Marcone being like, yeah, actually, I did steal that report. Thank you very much. <laughs> so. Oh, it's more like, well, no, he he mentions it. Um, there's people who have to file everything, right? It, well, exactly. And So he just got himself a copy of it. Realistically, someone just put it through a photocopier and took a copy home. Which <laughs> essentially yeah. says, I mean, it probably didn't end at Marcone. I mean, Marcone's not the only one who can pay anyone off, mm -hmm. right? And right. if you really think about it, I mean, we don't Vampires, know at this point the in the game fae. who would be doing it. We don't know who's mm. all involved, but we know that clearly it's super possible that this direct from a spirit of intellect, which is a big deal. Harry has to keep it a secret that he's got this thing. We don't really know much about how Harry got Bob very much. We don't know a whole lot of the details of Bob's origin story yet, but we do know that Bob is a spirit of intellect and knows a lot and it's not safe in the hands of any mortal man <laughs> and most people consider Harry not to be one of the safe people that it should be in the hands of. Pretty sure so. most of the people around Harry don't exactly think he's sane, let alone safe. Well, I'm thinking more of like just the council itself, right? Yeah. That's the main magical body of people that he's like, mm, we don't tell them that I have Bob, right? <laughs> yeah. And for a good reason, and again, we will get into the whole Bob thing later, but to know the report basically directly from Bob is with whomever at this point. Yeah. Is a little bit concerning. Did he, he didn't mention him in the report though, right? Obviously not, no. but it's, it's. Someone might get suspicious as to how the hell did Harry learn all this well, specific it's not, detail. It's not information that Harry found in a book. It yeah. came from a spiritual being that has existed for a couple hundred years. Yeah. And I'm sure that anyone who comes across that information, I mean, it's basically like a go past, go directly to go collect your $200. Like, you have to put no work in to have all of this werewolf lore, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big deal for what we will see as this book ends, what does and does not happen to the different factions of werewolves. Clearly, having that werewolf information out there in the world is super useful. Yeah. And now it's essentially available to everyone <laughs> it's just you know it's essentially like you've gone and made like you're yeah. edward snowden and you just stole a bunch of documents and you told the entire magical community everything they need to know about werewolves yeah when it used to be a need to know basis and now everybody knows about the werewolves and we're not quite sure what we should do about that now <laughs> <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i mean that's kind of the world's deal with pretty much everything magical yeah so it's just a little bit of like, Harry didn't mean to leak it, but he did, essentially. Mm -hmm. He was trying to be helpful, but oh, knowing Harry. And well, and this is another part of naivety from Murphy, actually, because why would she file it? She gave it to the FBI guys, and the FBI guys essentially gave it directly to Murphy. He heard it over the phone call, right? Hmm. Maybe because IA was there and watching, so she had no choice. But essentially, like, Murphy, if you know that you have, like, illegal magical documents on your desk... Maybe you don't file this one. Maybe, you, like, it's one of those things where it's like, if, again, again, Murphy's not so sure about the whole magical thing. She knows Harry knows stuff, but she's not too sure if she buys into the rest of it. So maybe at this point, Murphy's still not like, whatever. But this still seems like one of those things that you read, 
and then you burn with a match and you get rid of like you know like okay let me put this into our police file forever and ever and ever like no if you get fired from your job and somebody new takes over si they have to get their own wizard they can't just look up your files (laughs) that's not fair they have to they have to they have to run into uh yeah the next head of ia or um whatever special investigations has to run into their own harry on their own bridge fighting their own troll exactly and if you don't you don't deserve to fix the monsters in the dark (laughs) whether or not you deserve to doesn't really matter you're not going to survive long enough to well this is what i'm saying though is that if murphy (laughs) is essentially coming up with uh and and this is you know said briefly here and then as the books go on is that murphy is training an entire group of police officers to be aware like si is made up of people who do believe more than anyone else does. It's not yeah. just Murphy who's doing all the paperwork. Like, all of her people are there cleaning up the mess with her, right? They're all Hence seeing the monsters with her and all saying, yeah. okay, how are we going to swing this one, right? It's not just Murphy. She's and just the head but, of it, right? Yeah. But that's the reason. But you just gave a reason as to why she would file it. Which is exactly like she's trying to, to build the, up a police force of people who are knowledgeable so that anyone who comes into this situation, if she dies on the job, they can take yeah. it up. I'm saying, fuck them. If they don't <laughs> make friends with Harry, they don't get the information. <laughs> really, what SI eventually is going to need is their own Bob. <laughs> they need it. They, they Just need. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But yeah, they'll need something eventually where they can go, right? But again, it's so dangerous because anyone can clearly rip apart a police station and take whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. So, and as we've just seen, a police file, which is essentially like the most innocuous thing in a police building. I mean, it's not even like it's like evidence collected from a scene. It's just a report. Put and into that a filing was cabinet. As, and this is out in the world now forever. <laughs> like... That's my point, though, is that there comes a point when it's like, it's great to want to be prepared, and it's great that you want to have this, like, do everything by the books, and keep your files, and prepare your staff, and be able to reference this in the future. But at some point, Murphy's going to need to figure out a need-to-know definition. (laughs) And I think, you know, it's important to say that this police file probably shouldn't have uh, been handed (laughs) off to the secretary. No, no. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the the burn that file, because it... Even though special investigations is what it is, it's it's it sort of takes away from any sort of even if special legitimacy that she's well, she's got totally. And even if special investigations was more like their own like um like a pri- like, like a like, private I'm just trying to think of right now like the Secret Service or like um, the X Files like the X Files <laughs> like if they were their own separate government body where it's like you need insane access to get to these files in this point. Even then I could see that being a little bit more justifiable then because it's like, okay, not, but this is like a, basically a beat cop filed this. Anyone can look this up, right? And clearly steal it, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just Realistically, so- what she needs is a storage unit somewhere that she can have Harry fucking secure magically. Well, and I blame Harry too because he's not being as safe about Bob's information as well. Harry should know how valuable this information is. I mean- if, if this was a more, like, capitalistic book, this information would have been an insane price tag on it, right? Mm-hmm. And Harry essentially is just like, here, every single person on the planet. He even told um, Agent uh, Denton, I think it was, who took the report. He's like, can I read it? And he's like, like, yeah, sure, do whatever the hell you want, just as long as Murphy also reads it. Yeah. This is top-tier information. I get Harry didn't have much of a choice if he was like, no, you can't, that's super suspicious. But I think that he should have been a little bit more like, consider your source, Harry. 
and don't go handing the source's information to everyone because right. information from Bob is extreme information. It's not just Google. It's like the Count dark web Google. I don't know. It's like it's like it's counter argument to that is no. He's a guest. We don't have to listen to it. Keeping no. <laughs> that information secret or keeping that within a small group of people is exactly what the White Council would do. And, and Harry we, fucking hates the White and Council. as we get into the Paranet and all that switch, we see that <laughs> Harry totally thinks that everyone should know everything. Yeah. And I get that. My issue is that... I mean, yeah, it is very 50-50. You can't tell the good guys everything and the bad guys nothing. There's no way to know, right? There's no way to keep it out of their hands. But at the same time, I mean, there's a difference between... I mean, like I said, a beat cop, but even like a little like, you know, equivalent of a beat witch, you know, like a, a little kitchen witch being like, this is how you ward your house against ghosts, telling everyone on her level or whatever like that versus Harry being like, I have one of the most knowledgeable creatures in the entire world. Let me share you everything he says. Like, oh, the Oracle should not be in everyone's pocket sometimes. Keep in mind what's going on around this situation, though. People are innocent. People are being ripped apart by some sort of wolf. At the end of the day, Harry wants it to stop, right? Like that tends to be what he what drives him is he wants to protect people. So if that means he has to give out this information to make sure that the people investigating it and taking it seriously actually get their job done. He does it every time. I know. And I know like once we get into the paranet, that really is like We'll have to wait till the next is that every, book like, it, everyone should know. to see if he pulls back a bit after what happened in like these chapters, yeah. what gets revealed. Um, I mean, what's already been revealed, but gets yeah. confirmed in this. But yeah, I just have a wee bit of an issue. With yeah, this. we could tell. I get, <laughs> I get both sides of it. I get it. I get why Harry wants everyone to know how to defend themselves. And I also, you know feel strongly that Harry should shut up sometimes. I don't and think be a little Harry bit more even, private. I don't think Harry even knows Well, that's the thing is that Harry wasn't thinking. Bob is though. Well, he does, but we'll find out. He knows out. how valuable Bob is. Maybe not powerful, but he knows that Bob's intellect. I mean, he says it I think in book 1. He's like Bob knows more about Bob's forgotten more about magic yeah, than, than I'll, I'll ever, ever learn, learn except Bob doesn't forget anything. Yeah, but he doesn't know well he doesn't forget. He doesn't forget anything, but he's able to lock shit off, which we find mm -hmm. out we later. Will get, right? That's slightly different, though. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you got your, that rant out of your system. Uh, no, but I, it, I, it can hold off now for a couple books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marcon repeats his offer to Dresden. The same stipulations applying, including having the investigations on Murphy stopped. So I wonder if... Which is a nice bonus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> bonus offer. And I think, you know, and we spoke about this too. Uh, Mom was actually... Maggie was still here for that conversation. And we spoke about whether or not this was a good deal for Harry to take. And I think, you know, whatever, you know, arguments and points we... And conclusions we came to back then. Uh, at this point, a lot has changed. And this would be when I'm like, okay, full stop. This is when I start considering this deal now. Like, right. forget all the morals and ethics and I'm not on your team. Like, when you're staring at, like, the carnage of the police station, you're stuck in this little box of a room. And essentially, like, Parker just tried to kill you. And then Hendrix and Marcone showed up. Like, Harry's got... Uh, I don't know if it mentions it here, but in the next moment or two, Harry realizes that he's totally tapped for magic. Yeah. Like, he's done right now. Nope. And this is when I would be like my low point and being like, 
Okay, suddenly this deal looks a whole lot shinier. <laughs> yeah, this this is probably the first point in his journey where he's got to put aside his morals and work with the bad guy. Figure out just how much you're willing to do for survival. Like we see him do it later on in the books too. He he hits a point to where he will make bigger deals. and bigger extents. Yeah, but yeah, but this is on. kind of the first example. Yeah, exactly. Of this it. is the first when he's it's. If, Harry and Marcone. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first book he was able to deal with the issues himself. Well, and I, I brought this up actually in the first book. Marcone is the third re- third yeah, recurring character yeah. we meet. You meet Harry, then Murphy, then Marcone. And Marcone is a big deal in the Dresden Files. Yep. He's a huge deal, actually. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting to see these moments between the two of them grow because, like you said, Harry does begin to take deals with people as the books go on, and He's still very rigidly like, fuck you, Marcone. And it kind of is funny that it's like, it's this human gangster that Harry's like, absolutely not. Which, on the other hand, this is his most similar person. Like, they both started out the same way. You can say that whatever monster or fae or fallen or, like, we'll get into all of these different creatures that we meet in the books. But none of them have the same origin story as a fellow human being. But Marcone does. So I think it's a little bit easier to be like, how did you become this corrupt when you were a baby and a child living in the human world. It's not like you can say you grew up in the Never Never or in yeah. the Plains of Hell or... It's also... You know? He's human, which means you can't... All the all the fae, demons, everything <laughs> else, they have rules that they live by, whereas humanity's rules are fluid and break and change at a whim. Which, and I, so, I think that's why Harry's got that much extra yeah, of a grudge against it, too. I, yeah, and I believe that that would be my opinion as to why he never, or why he's he's always so fuck you, Marcone, mm-hmm. is because he knows that he, he can trust a fae. Like, a fae will try and screw him over, but they have to go by their word. So if he's careful enough, he can do it. Even the coins, like, the coins can only do so much, right? So it's it's one of those things of... Humans are unpredictable, and Harry knows that because he is one, and he understands them. Whereas, like, the Fae have to actually run by certain rules. So I can get why he doesn't want to deal with Marcone. Even though Marcone, we find out as the books go on, he has his own rules, but he's still human. So you can only trust him to a certain extent. Well, that's why I'm saying, like, I think Harry feels more betrayed by Marcone because, you know... Essentially speaking, like, they both very much could have fallen into each other's, you know, paths, you know? And obviously did not. Uh I mean, if Harry had a separate, uh, if Harry's backstory was slightly tweaked, he easily could have been um, working for Marcone. So Dresden briefly considers a death curse, but pauses as he's got an idea. Mm Mm-hmm. So Parker also questions Marcone's attempts to get Dresden out at the last second. Dresden asks for a pen, trying to say that he'll sign Sign. the contract, or at least feign it. Which makes Parker lose his mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not part of the deal. (laughs) Which is a little bit Do you think he was just feigning? Or do you think he would have signed it? Because I, I, like, I, when I was listening to it, I thought he would actually sign it. Like, I thought he was going, alright, fine, I'll sign it. I and think then he was banking on the fact that Parker was going to go insane, go lose it. Yeah, I, I kind of, ha- I kind, I'm kind of fifty-fifty. Just like either he, he would, this would have been his breaking point, take the deal for the first time with Marcone, D- 
deal with it and deal with the consequences so he could live. Um, or maybe he was hoping that Parker would go nuts. But, I mean, either way, it worked out in his favor. Yeah. <clears throat> I took it just because of the... How he... How he stopped his death curse when he he had an idea. Oh, oh. Well, right, the, yeah, uh, maybe. Which is one of the issues with that as well because Harry, you know, is trying to draw in the power and it fizzles out and doesn't <laughs> work and Marcone takes notice of that, right? Which is yeah. another big issue and I think whether or not Harry um was it was um banking on Parker losing it, I think at that moment too, Marcone just saw that you're out of magic. You are totally fucked right now. Like whether or not you're going to sign that contract I would go along with it for as long as possible too, because you got to stall. Like if you yeah. don't have magic, like yeah, you've like at that point, I would be like, yeah. If you piss Marcone off too much at that moment, he might just use Henderson and get rid of you as a problem, right? Well, Marcone even says he's like, if you don't sign the contract, you're gonna die tonight. Listen, either I'm gonna get you or Parker's gonna get you, but you're not leaving this room. But if you sign the contract, I promise you're gonna make it out of here safe and sound. And when his magic fails on him, and even like Harry said, like his eyes teared up, like he was really upset for a moment there when he's like, like magic is who I am. It's a part of me. Like I am nothing without my magic. I can't do anything without my magic. And he breathes and he gets through that moment. He's like, okay, no, I can do stuff without my magic. But there's a moment when he's just like totally spiraling. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But luckily, you know, while, you know, Harry's freaking out, Parker also starts freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very helpful. I just want to throw in there too that, um, uh, just to backtrack to, uh, Marcone also brought up that his parents didn't leave him any sort of silver. He's like, no, my parents had nothing to leave me. I think that's one more thing to throw into the slight Marcone backstory. Like, potentially both were orphans, or at least both came from a poor situation. If Even if Marcone had his parents, it clearly wasn't a very rich life. Because, I mean, even me, like, my family's not rich, but I'm going to have jewelry left over to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe, potentially, none I- of it will be real true silver. It might all be fake and dumb, but <laughs> I'm I took, still going to have jewelry left to me. Yeah. So the fact that he had absolutely nothing is either your parents really hated you or they really had nothing. I took that to mean that like, he's like, he was pointing out that he's not part of this world. Like he came, he found out about the super, supernatural, not as a child, but as an adult. Well, no, he said his parents didn't leave him anything. Yeah. So I, he had no inherited silver. I know, but like, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The importance of it being inherited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it had nothing to do with supernatural and just whether or not your parents either are willing to or have the means to. So we don't yeah. know which, but one or the other. Either they couldn't or didn't want to leave him anything. Yeah, that's a good character moment, mm-hmm. that, that one. Yeah. I liked it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, going back to yeah. Carnage. So, <laughs> yeah. Just about Carnage. Just about. <laughs> yeah, so Harry agrees to sign the deal, asks for a pen. And then, whether or not he was banking on it or not, Parker goes nuts over the idea of losing his kill and getting his revenge and goes after Henderson. And then we have another person enter the draw. And, like, at this point, Harry's free. He just hasn't shown that he's free yet. So once everyone's distracted, he makes his move. Yes, so he sees... Takes a run for the door. Takes a run for the door just as the FBI shows up. Uh, what a what a what a comical moment of moment of wrong time to open the door. <laughs> but that in true Harry gunfire. fashion, like in true Harry fashion, you ru- you get out of the pan, you're in the fire. Like totally, and like it's got, literally like Denton makes eye contact with him and says, 
the wizard doesn't leave this room. Yeah. Well, like, it's like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, this wasn't yes. an already no. impossible situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is, it's, I, I said, I think, uh, a couple episodes back, it was like a, like, the Scooby-Doo moment when you're running in and out of rooms. And yeah. It's like, every time Harry opens a door, there's just one more person who wants to kill him. And it's yeah. like, oh, fuck, not this door, next door. <laughs> yeah, that's his life, essentially. Yeah. Or those, on these weekends, that's his life. Yeah. <laughs> It's rough. It's rough, man. And I think <laughs> as we get into the next chapter, it's just one more, one more, one more person. It's just every time he opens a new door, there's just one more. Like it's like uh, comedy movies too, and it's like 37 exes show up on the guy's doorstep. Yeah. It's like remember me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> nonstop. Everyone Harry's met ever. It's just every book. They're like, excuse me, I was trying to kill you six books ago. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So Harry backtracks and finds a place to hide. Right. Well, right before he does that, he actually gets to witness uh, Ben and Wilson reach into their jackets and then suddenly change into wolves. Right, yeah. So this is the first time that he's yes. confirmed that there's and he makes and wolves. Yeah, and yes. he takes note of the fact that um, the other agent has a belt. Yep. Yes. He does notice his that makes that connection. It's like, yeah. I put that information aside for later. Yeah. Which, you know, and obviously, as we know, that would mean a hexen wolf. We've learned about the different kinds of werewolves. Like everyone else in this universe, <laughs> we're all caught up on what the different kinds of werewolves are now. So, yeah, so Harry does take note. He's like, okay. Um, which, uh, as he said, you know, all right, as he was getting kidnapped, he saw Agent Rogers drive by and he started to laugh because all the pieces clicked into place. I think this is just one more. Like, he didn't even have that at the time. He just thought, okay, the FBI was setting me up. Now he's like, oh, the FBI orchestrated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're even deeper into this than he knew before. Totally. And Marcone comes in. He's like, oh, why the fuck is McThane uh, accusing me of destroying his prison cell and saying, yeah. I'm over that now? So it's like, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm yep. glad that everyone's here. Let's sort this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If only they had a peace talks with Mc2. It's all could have been dealt with so nice, right? Peace talks. Those don't go over well in this world. What are you talking about? There was so much peace talks happening. Yeah. It, that completely ended and turned into a complete and utter war. The next book is called Battleground. Yeah. <laughs> Not we survived and it was all okay. But yeah, so he... Yeah, he notices the belts notices them change that clicks and then he runs and is able to grab a wrench as his weapon it's not even a gun at this point he's got a wrench so caveman harry is here now. <laughs> most basic of weapons right a yeah club. i mean everyone except denton so you've got marcone hendrix a um lycanthropy that's parker Lycanthrope. Lycanthrope. Mm. Lycanthrope, yeah. And then you've got three Hexen Wolves plus Denton, who hasn't changed and is still yeah. human FBI man. And the sound of the street wolves is what right. he hears them coming. Coming. Yes, and now they are coming too. So, yeah. Uh, you know, a horrible, horrible joke. What happens when <laughs> everyone walks into a bar? Yeah. And you've got a wrench. Yeah. So yeah, like as you said, Harry takes cover in the back and is like, "Let's just see how this plays out," because I don't have a plan. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to chapter twenty-four. Thank 
you to our Patreon subscribers for your generous support. It's people like you who help us to do what we do. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, sign up today and get a fuck ton of bonus content, kick-ass merch, behind-the-scenes outtakes, and more. Sign up today at www.patreon.com slash freeflowrambling. Chapter 24 A rescue attempt is made by Tara West and the Alphas to get Dresden out of the garage via escape tunnel. While Dresden is making his escape, Parker is caught and slaughtered by the FBI wolves. Outside, Dresden joins the fight with Tara and the Alphas against Roger in his wolf form. So in the face of death, interestingly, Dresden is way more afraid that he's burned out his magic and that it might never return. And he has like, as you were saying, he has his identity crisis of sorts right there. Like that he's not just failed, but he's he has failed the magic itself. Yeah, like, as Harry said, like, magic reacts to who you are as a person. So if his magic isn't reacting, who is he as a person? <laughs> so He's yes. now just a P.I., Yes, which actually a fun uh, tidbit here that uh, Jim Butcher brought up at the DragonCon panel is that he's writing an entirely separate Dresden book that has nothing to do with the magic. It's him just on a totally PI case only. <laughs> no magic involved at all, which sounds really cool. Just like a kind of separate I hope side novel, I guess, to the whole thing. I hope that throughout the whole book, um, Dresden is looking for the magical cause because he only deals with magical cases. <laughs> It's just like a straight up real case and he's like, there's gotta I, be an angle. Where's yes, the vampires? Where's I, the werewolves? I hope that there's at least a chapter or two of that where he just like goes nuts trying to figure out how this is magic. It's funny because Harry obviously always writes his, um, like each book is really essentially his case file where yeah. he sums up the events, right? So it'd be really funny if by the end of it, you know, he's just like, I just can't figure out the magic angle. I figured out the whole case, but there was no magic. So clearly I must be missing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really funny. But that was just a side tidbit. (laughs) (laughs) Or alternate universe. He really did lose his magic. And this is a whole extra timeline book where Harry did lose his magic and just has to be a regular P.I. I don't know. Just Butcher restarts the entire series, but it's just Harry with a wrench now. (laughs) I I think in that scenario, Harry's already made enough enemies that he would not last long. Well, it's almost like when you play video games and you like unlock a skin after you've beaten the game or something like that. Yeah. And it's like... Like, now you have a flying cape that you can use for the whole game again, or I don't know, like, whatever yep. weird things. But yeah, if it was just like, now you play without any of the cool magic and stuff like that, we give you a broom. Hard Go through mode. the levels now. Yeah. Hard yeah, mode. hard mode. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, but yeah, it'd be really funny if it was essentially, yeah. <laughs> Do it again, but harder. <laughs> so Dresden watches as the firefight continue. Marcone and Hendrix manage to escape in a truck while the F- FBI battle the street wolves. Denton with his submachine gun and now the wolf form of Agent Ben and Wilson. So there's just a, a giant scene of carnage going on again. Another scene of Yeah, I mean the violence. Very soon after. This is like three-ish, four chapters later. The next night. And yeah, like he's like you just said, like Marcone and Hendricks jump into a truck and drive through the garage door. They're like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> right? And the FBI and the street wolves are just suddenly at each other's throats. Yep. And it's you've got three Hexen wolves and an FBI agent versus 20, 30 street wolves. Right? So 
the fact that the FBI is holding their own is insane with the amount of power that these, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, that these belts are doing. But what the fuck? <laughs> but they're the size of, they're the, from the descriptions, they're direwolf size. Yeah, well, yeah, they're, it says that they're massive, but I mean, and the, the size isn't everything. No. You only have four limbs either way. Like, you've got your jaws and you've got your four limbs, but like. But they're way faster. Well, that's what I'm saying, though, is that the stark difference between these two different kinds of werewolves is like, because even the street wolves have um, super healing, fast healing, right? And we know that they are still strong and such like that. But the fact that they're still like, you know, again, 20 to 30 of them against only three werewolves and a guy with a assault rifle or whatever it was he had. SMG. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Insane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So at this point, you know. <laughs> like there isn't enough going on. Yeah. Harry starts to notice that someone is trying to um dig Digging dig under the wall. <laughs> I love that moment so much. It makes me laugh. <laughs> Whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, so the ground starts to shake. He starts to hear some scuffling and uh he says like right under my butt essentially. Yeah. There's digging and he's like, "Nope." And whacks it. <laughs> and then He's like, and only another moment later, a paw breaks through, and he's like, absolutely not wax again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And eventually, yeah, Tara is like, bitch, it's a rec- rescue mission. Stop hitting us. Stop yeah, striking yeah. at the paws. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> I love how he's like, how do you know it's me? And she's like, you're the only person who would try, who would smack the paws of the people trying to rescue totally you. Totally right, which is 100% true. Yeah. This is such a good moment. <laughs> So we find out from Denton that Rogers has been outside has found Tara West. Yes, yes. So, uh, so this isn't even three wolves against twenty or thirty street wolves. Like this is two wolves and a FBI agent against. Right. So yeah, so Rogers has gone out to fight off obviously these paws, and meanwhile they continue to dig Harry out, and he squeezes himself through the hole and whatever. Which, consider like he, I know he's lanky, but he's. T- hall so what a pain in the ass that must be to crawl through that hole it was big enough for a wolf body though yeah so i think comparatively yeah but still but yeah no not not an easy thing no and like i'm not really claustrophobic but i don't know how much i trust that i guess in like do or death situation you're gonna do it but like well, and he's sure. right before that. He sees Parker just get mauled to death. Yes. Yeah. In the yes, most yes. horrible way, and that, that that sort of and sexual yeah. gore and f- the bloodlust. Yeah, I'd call mm-hmm. it bloodlust. And Denton's like double tapping everyone too to make sure they stay down. Yeah. So like, there's he's got no option. Well, and at that point, Denton has already <laughs> has changed as well. So all three of those wolves are. Right, yeah. Are, Sorry. Just before the bloodlust thing, there was the um, he was double tapping. Every, he was going around and making executing right the yeah. street wolves, and then right after that, he see um, the bloodlust event happens. Well, and and yeah, and like the wolves start like eating him, which yeah. is like extra gross. <laughs> right, and it's yeah. like so he, he Dresden would be absolutely yeah, yeah. horrified to see that. I think. And, and yeah, you've the got the wolf the tunnel saying, is like, like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as, you can, like, as soon as it's big enough. Oh, well, yeah. He even says he turns around and starts frantically digging with yeah, the wrench. Yeah, helping out. Yeah. And he says, like, or, uh, sorry, L- Lana 
says she's like I can smell the wizard still so essentially yeah it's like they're definitely on your tail yeah. <laughs> so to speak <laughs> exactly so yeah so when he makes it out on the other side he sees um, Rogers is surrounded by half a dozen other wolves and yep. he's like oh great I just left this into another one right <laughs> yeah. only this time um, they're surrounded by terror they're, they're joined with terror west and Harry can pretty much put the pieces together like okay this is Tara's baby wolves right now right yeah apparently they're on my side um, and again, they're keeping Rogers at bay, but not greatly. Yeah, and uh, he's so Harry's only met the alphas briefly in the department store when he was spying on Terra, right? Yeah, I think yeah. at this point, yeah, he okay, hasn't. yeah, yeah. No, he, he well, he he saw them at the warehouse, and then um, he brought it up to Terra and McFinn the night before, and like really got it con- confirmed that Terra and the alphas are a team. Oh, okay, only okay. who knows how. So he's gotten the confirmation. It wasn't just a random meetup. They do know each other, and she is aware of them. And f- for whatever reason, they are working together. Yeah. But yeah, this is his first or his second time actually seeing them. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, like, yeah, his first time seeing them shifted. The first time he just saw them as a bunch of kids. Oh, uh, right. So he's seen okay, them once yeah, as yeah. kids, and now once as yeah. wolves, and that's it. And like to your point, like they're not doing an amazing job, but they're not doing badly. Like considering they're baby wolves, they're pups essentially. Well, they're they're essentially just surrounding him. Yeah, it's like. But they have enough. Like they're, they're keeping good, him off balance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, and they're good enough. Like they know what they're doing enough to keep him off balance, right? To a degree, like Harry says, he's like, "Look, there's three more, so this isn't going to work for long." Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, but at that, the moment, just as one, they are at least holding him at bay, which yeah. is something, considering how we just saw how three were taking on. Yep. However many. Right. It is impressive that these... I don't remember if I said half a dozen or a dozen of them. Something like that, um, yeah. Are managing. So at I least mean, that's something. It's a small enough number to fit into a van. Mm-hmm. A and when van. you don't have, you know, someone with a gun also taking you out. That is helpful, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, Marcone, though, is, like, fully gone. Like, the truck is <laughs> yeah. not around right now, which is, you know, smart. That is Marcone. <laughs> That he knows the odds are against uh, him. He's preservation gone. goodbye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another uh, nice thing if Harry could learn that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead of doing that, Harry decides to throw himself in the center of the circle with this wolf. Yeah. So self-preservation, not at all. Yeah. yeah he gets himself up to, uh, to up to the furious level, and he decides to oh, help launches. and stay... Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, because Laura, um, she tells him that her and the alphas are going to hold them off, and he needs to go um, go rescue, go help her fiancé, right? Well, and this is um, that moment when Harry's like, you know what? Magic isn't the be-all, end-all of who yeah. a wizard is. Because he already right. knows what he, he... He has all the information he needs to defeat this guy. He just... It's a lot harder without magic. Mm-hmm. And again, like, this whole series is essentially... I mean, it is still... A mystery novel. Harry has to still figure out all the clues. It's not just magic, you know. He's got a thing to do. And I like the little moment when he's like, "Magic, magi, wizard, knowledge." Like it's yeah. we are supposed to do this because we know. Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge is power. But power comes responsibility. Yeah. And that's that's uh, one of his core values, right there. I think. Totally. One hundred percent. Well, he even says it. Like he he says it in I think in that moment or somewhere. In the yeah, he like he says that like he yeah, makes that quote, which is essentially was just quoting. Yeah, exactly, and he <laughs> says it, and then it comes up next chapter too, which is hilarious too. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it comes up all the time because he, like you said, magic isn't just magic; it is 
defined by the person who is casting the spell. No two wizards can cast the same spell the same way. Yeah. And we've, we've gotten to read that short story about Lucio. I mean, she described magic as being like the different colors reflected through a pyramid, or a light reflected through the pyramid to be the different colors, right? Yeah, prison. That's not how Harry sees magic at all, right? They're both still able to cast and they do a lot of the same mm, spells and defense and attack spells and things like that but for them both it comes off totally different and she's a lot more delicate of a practitioner than harry you know harry's like cover the whole place in flames and yank out what you can yeah and she's a lot more like just light the one or two spots right yeah so it's no it doesn't matter every single wizard has a different way so harry is very much like responsibility 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 that's where my magic has to come from or else it's just gonna be knowing like from later this (laughs) This just occurred to me. He's a meme wizard. Because his his spells are linked to words and ideas. Like, um, we find this out later when he's training Molly. The biggest spell, like the, the light, like to light a small flame. Like he thinks of, he... Oh, Flick and Bickus, yeah. Flick and Bickus, right? Like, so his whole thing is a construct. And if you think about that, that's all a meme is. A meme is an idea that takes, that... Um, conjure something in you i'm gonna say it's a reach but i get where you're going yeah. like <laughs> i it, mean i would say it's a meme more than the whole reason that spell purposely came to troll do more <laughs> yeah but it's it's just one of those things of like i like this is again going back to the what i brought up every episode is i like the world of magic he's got because it's not like hard and fast but it has enough rules that it makes sense mm-hmm. and to that point like every wizard casts spells differently but they all end up with the same results to varying degrees of control. Yeah. But like, yeah. Well, essentially, yeah. Like, I mean, you want to light something on fire. There's a lot of ways to do it, right? Yep. And the thing's still going to burn. And it makes sense for a wizard who's got a lot of precision and a lot of control would think of the energy that goes into magic as a beam of light going through a prism and they can just pull out the one that they need. Well, again, it's also more like what they're concerned about, you know? Harry really doesn't care about his image. He cares about getting the job done. Yeah. yeah. Right? Whereas other wizards are more like, no, we cannot take out an entire city block. And Harry's <laughs> like, yeah, we can, actually. Watch me throw a werewolf through 37 buildings. Yeah. Right? So there's a little bit of just, again, like the way that they approach things is totally based person to person to person, right? Wizard to wizard to wizard. Yeah. He's a little bit like the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, right? I, he is. If you watch... um. Endgame, uh, and they go back in time, and you've got like the Bruce Banner Hulk hybrid looking at the Hulk, <laughs> and he's just like, and they're like, well, you have to, you're gonna have to smash stuff so that people think you're the real Hulk. And he's like, and Bruce Banner's just very sarcastic, like, uh, rawr, yeah, throw this car, like, yeah, yeah it's totally just like, yeah, way to sell it. <laughs> Favorite part is Cap running into Cap, and he's like, oh, and realizing how cringy he was. <laughs> that is America's ass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then like Cat, he, his older, his earlier self, even starts saying his tagline. He goes, "I know, I know. <laughs> like, come on, let's get this over." That's with. personal growth, though. Yeah, which is you know yeah. essentially what we'll see from Harry too. Eventually, you know, yeah. looking yeah. back on things. Oh, um, but yeah, right now he's just very much like smash, smash, smash. Yep. Let the city or Marcone pick up the bill. It's fine. 
Yeah. He's very lucky how much he doesn't get sued, <laughs> honestly. Well, I really like. Well, sure. Death is like whatever. Like the end of this chapter here, he throws himself on the wolf's back and then jams a wrench into the jo- his jaws. Way to bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like he. So to get back on track. Hey. Yeah. To get back on track, like he he makes up that decision of like he can't leave them here to kill. He he knows they won't survive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he goes in. And he doesn't, like, I like the fact that he doesn't hint to what he's about to do. Uh, he just goes in and he, it's kind of written as if he's just going to go in and try and attack the wolf. Which is like, what the fuck? I mean, it, it's a little, it's hard to say for me now because I've read the book two or three times. So it's hard to say if I remembered this at the moment. But he's given all the clues as well. He's like, oh, yeah. I see the belts. Oh, no, but, it's just power. I'm going to throw myself at a wolf and jam a wrench into his yeah. jaws. But that's the way that's the way Jim Butcher writes, though, mm-hmm. is he gives you all the clues. Mostly. Lo- uh, yeah. A lot of the time, he'll give you the clues to the small thing that's going yeah. on. I find like he always gives you A, B, and D, but he always keeps like C to himself, right? So yeah. then we can't totally predict it ourselves. Which like, is good, because that would make the books very boring for us. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. Like, I like how Jim Butcher yeah. lays it out. It is very much like... Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I see where we're going with this. I'm totally with you. This is so cool, interesting. And, and then Harry's the like, and then Harry's like, "This is that conversation I had that I didn't tell you about." And you're like, "Ah, oh, that was the final piece," or something. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. like it always like Harry's like, "I got on the phone," and then the next chapter starts like after the phone call ends, and you're like, "Fuck! What were you talking about?" You know. Yeah. So Jim Butcher, like, you're very much like with him, with him, with him. Yeah. But there's always that one little thing that Harry's like, ah, 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 save this for my and he, end of the story. I'm so smart. In this and he does it early enough that you forget about it by the yeah, time it, it is. becomes relevant. Yeah, it is. It's always relevant. something, yeah. 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 But yeah, so he he attacks the wolf, stops it from butting his head off by jamming the wrench in its jaw. Tara's just like, ah. Oh, oh yeah. That. The alphas the start. The al- oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So this concludes our episode 5.11 Ballroom Blitz. It's it's a ballroom blitz. <laughs> Thank you for for guest hosting yeah, again. Yeah, anytime. I'm happy speaking. to come. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and macanellies.ca. There we have links to other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling. Conjure at it by your own risk. <laughs> <laughs>